0: Thank you, Johnna, just for that kind introduction, and also just for the privilege of being allowed to share the word this morning. Um, if you were at REACH night on Wednesday, you would have heard me say that REACH is really one of my favorite times of the year that we have has as a spiritual family. It really is. There's just something about setting this week aside, praying for nations, aligning our heart with God's mission. And so it feels like an extra privilege to get to share the word at the end of our Reach Week this morning. And so to intro the message that I'm going to be sharing this morning, I want to be a little bit vulnerable or rather expose myself a little bit. And... um, We live in a world that there's constantly new software programs, gadgets that's coming out to make our lives easier, faster, adds value, if you get it, if you understand it. If not, it can be a little frustrating and feel like a burden, and you feel a little embarrassed about it, because everyone else seems to be loving these new gadgets and softwares. And so here's where the exposing part comes in. For me, it's not even one that's very new, even. It's Excel. Guys. Man, when someone sends me something in Excel or asks me to do something in Excel, I literally break out in a a cold sweat, and I get overwhelmed, and I'm so afraid that I'm going to delete everything or copy wrong. I don't know how to do the formulas to get it to add, and it's just a mess. And then someone will come and click, click, formula, and it looks amazing. Think, <laughs> And I see it, and I see the value of it, and I see how amazing it is and how it serves us and adds value to our life. But when I have to do it because I don't quite get it, it's just overwhelming, and I end up trying to avoid exile wherever possible. And I want to say in some ways that's kind of what happens to the mission that God entrusted us with. The mission has become what Excel is to me, a burden, and it's heavy. And so I want us to talk about that this morning, and to do that, I want us to turn to a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21, but before we read the scripture, I just want to pray for us this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering as a family, Lord, to to study your word this morning, Father. And I... I pray as we open your word, would you speak to us, Lord? Would our hearts be open and ready to receive what you want to come and deposit this morning? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the scripture reads as follows from verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin, so that in him we might become The righteousness of God and so looking at the scripture there's almost two points of summary or two themes we can highlight and the first being in Christ we are a new creation we are reconciled to to God we are the righteousness of God and then on the other side because of this new creation that we have become we are entrusted with a message of reconciliation ambassadors for Christ So there's two. We are made new, a new creation, and in that we are entrusted with a message of reconciliation. It sounds so simple looking at it like that. I almost want to say, Amen. We can stop there this morning. You have been made new, and you've been entrusted with this mission. There's coffee and tea. Amen. We are made new, and we are given the message of reconciliation. And although it seems as simple as that, And as straightforward, if I should ask you this morning, if in your heart that is how you see the mission, straightforward and easy, the answer would probably be no. This call to be ambassadors for Christ, in some ways is almost the hardest thing we have to do, or we feel it's the hardest thing we have to do as believers. It overwhelms us, it scares us, and then later we feel guilty about it, and it's a burden, and then we disqualify ourselves, and just like exile, we try and avoid it almost wherever possible. And this call to be ambassadors for Christ becomes like this black ops mission that is for an elect few who have this call in them that do this special training, and they get to go, and they live out this mission, and it's heavy and it's not for us. And Why is that? Looking at the scripture, if we take those two things, it seems so straightforward, so why? Why is it that there isn't joy and there isn't this response sometimes in our hearts? And if we're completely raw and honest, it's because we've made the mission about ourselves. We have made the mission about ourselves rather than the one whose mission it is, rather than the one who gave us the mission. The mission then becomes this labor that we work out, that we unpack, that we strategize. It becomes about our shortcomings, our insecurities, what we're comfortable with, rather than a response to the one whose mission it is. And um, I read this quote from a missionary in a mission book this week um, from Leslie Newbigging and I think I'm saying it right, new bigging. (laughs) He's a British theologian, and he was a missionary for most of his life in India, and he captured this concept so well, and he said, there has been a long tradition which sees the mission of the church primarily as an obedience to a command. It has been customary to speak of the missionary mandate, and this way of putting the matter is certainly not without justification, and yet it seems to me that it misses the point. It tends to make the mission a burden rather than a joy. To make it part of the law rather than part of the gospel. And that last part, it just, it just hit home and it just, that is what it is. We have made the mission part of the law rather than the gospel. We have made it something we do rather than something we get invited to, rather than something we just respond to. We make ourselves the president or the king. Rather than the ambassadors for the king, simply being an ambassador, we have put it under the law. And, and in that, I'm not speaking about, I want to be clear, we should equip ourselves to share the gospel. We should work at it. We should strategize how to reach the nations. What I'm speaking about here is the condition of your heart when it comes to the mission. Does the mission lie under the law in your view of it or under the grace and the joy of the gospel? When you close your eyes and you think about this mission that God has entrusted to us, this ministry of reconciliation, does it stir excitement in your heart? Does it stir something good? Or does it bring up the same feelings that exile brings to me? And you just want to avoid it. And it's burdensome and it's heavy. And you, you almost deep in your heart kind of wish that the mission wasn't yours, that it was somebody else's. And that's what I'm speaking on, the condition of your heart. Where does the mission lie? In your heart. And trust me, I know. I know the mission is hard. It's tough. We face difficulties in it. We face challenges. But when the mission lies under the gospel, the challenges, the struggles that we face, it doesn't change the joy. Because the mission lies under the gospel and the grace and the joy of that. Because the thing is, we must understand that the mission is beautiful, exciting, it's liberating, it's filled with passion, with people, yes, sometimes failure, but it is literally the most incredible thing we can give our lives to, the most exciting adventure. And um, I was thinking how to explain this mission with so many different components to it, but still being the most exciting thing. And uh, the only idea I could come up with was a roller coaster. So I'm sorry for those who really don't enjoy roller coasters. but um, So in a roller coaster, you stand in that long line, waiting for your turn to get on the roller coaster, and then you have this excitement, a little bit of adrenaline in you, and then you get to the front, and you get strapped into that chair, and you're secure, and then you start going. And most, if not all, roller coasters are on those tracks, and you always go up first, and it always goes, e ee, ee. ee. <laughs> And as you're sitting in that chair, strapped in, and you're going up, 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 the adrenaline changes a little bit, and you start having a little bit of doubts. You start seeing how high you're going up. You notice that you're stuck, you're not in control, you cannot get out. And then, eventually, when you get to the top of that climb, (laughs) you always have a moment where you're like, no, 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 I want out. I don't want to do this. Where is the exit? And then you go rushing down, and you have that hole up your mark, that butterflies. But before you know it, you're having the most exhilarating time of your life. And you're with hands up in the air, and you're just having the most incredible thrill. And I put up two pictures to just explain those two moments. Uh, you can go back to the first one. So that is probably the face you have when you're at the top. I love the little girl. You're seems real, but then when you go rushing down, it's the second picture, and you have your hands up, and it really is the most incredible, amazing experience being on that, on that roller coaster. It's a thrill, and that is the mission that God calls us to. It is the most exhilarating mission that we will be on for the rest of our lives, seeing people responding to the love of the Heavenly Father, seeing the broken restored, seeing orphans find a home, seeing the lost come to know Christ. And yes, there are moments that we're at the top and we feel out of control, but through it all we are secure and we are safe in God. And it is the most exciting, faithful journey we can be on. And I know this, and I can say that because that has been the experience of my life. Jonah shared a little bit, but it has really been the most incredible thing that I have said yes to in my life. I have seen the gospel move in impossible ways simply because of saying yes. It has taken me across the world. It has led me to moments of crying in despair over the brokenness of the world. But then also dancing in the sea over one girl that just got baptized and went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It is the most incredible thing we can give our lives to. And maybe you're sitting there and you think, you're, Anna, you're a bit um, extra excited about it, and you're probably one of those who did the special ops training that I'm talking about. You did that, and that's why you can do this mission, and that's why you say yes there was no special ops training. If there is anything like that, please also let me know because I would still like to do it. But some of you might know my story, but I was just a young woman working as a social worker for the Department of Social Development, and I became part of this family where I was discipled, and in that realized that this mission of God, He calls me to that too. And a few years later, went on a 10-day mission where the Lord met me and He spoke so clearly to me. And in fear and trembling, literally fear and trembling, I said yes to go on the mission, to go on the year that Jonah spoke about, the explore year. And then later on as a missionary to Mozambique. Guys, I had no idea what I was doing, what I said yes to. I remember us going on Explore, and our first country was India. And we get to India, and we go to campus, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to engage on campus. And um, the mission suddenly became very real. And I remember we were paired up with locals that we were going to go out with, and I was so thankful. I was like, okay, I can just go with these two girls. I can just be part of their team. And to my literal horror, as we start going, they turn to me and they say, we are so thankful you're here. We don't know how to do this. We are so ready to learn from you how to share the gospel. I nearly passed out. Man. But there's no escape. I was strapped in. Fake it till you make it, hey? And we went out, we approached the first group of people, and by God's grace, words came out, the gospel was shared. And later, these two local girls were so encouraged and felt equipped to share the gospel, not because I knew how, but simply because I had said yes. And again, years later, being a campus missionary in Mozambique, I had never pioneered a campus missionary, I had a ministry, I had never done any of that. And I remember in the beginning weeks going out on campus and having very little Portuguese and literally no Bible Portuguese evangelizing a girl called Venya and with very broken Portuguese that needed me to illustrate as well which is also not my strong point pictures broken words shared the gospel with her not even sure if what I said made sense she responds with tears in her eyes and said I want Jesus I want to know him and I had to stop myself because I almost literally said really you understood the words that came out of my mouth but she just said this Jesus that you speak of I want to know him I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life and so I have seen God do impossible things through the most unlikely people me I had no training nothing special simply saying yes to this mission of God because it's important for us to know that it is a mission that is exciting, that's liberating, that's beautiful. We cannot miss that, and that it calls us to do things far greater, far bigger than what we could ever do. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you think, wow, Anna, that sounds amazing, and I hear you, the mission is great. It is, it is this thrilling adventure you speak of, but if I'm honest, that's not... That is not the condition of my heart right now. That is not what I'm experiencing. And the mission feels heavy and it feels like a burden. How do, we, how do we get from there? How do we restore? How do we make the mission life-filled again? And I want to go back to the scripture we read earlier, those two points, those two highlight summaries that we can take. And with that, I want to say how we restore the mission is firstly, Remembering the joy of our of our salvation. In verse going back to the scripture in verse seventeen it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And in verse twenty one it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, where Jesus saved you from, that restores the joy in the mission. David wrote in Psalm 51, verse 12 and 13, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way, remembering the joy of our salvation. That is the motivation for the mission. And I often do this. I often take some time and just remember where I was before the gospel found me. As a 17-year-old girl, feeling abandoned by my father, having no worth, no dignity, through that entering in the wrong friendships, addicted to smoking, drinking, self-harm, just trying to do anyone, to find anyone that can just fill that void In my life and then Jesus and then Jesus found me in that place and when I think of the trajectory of my life when I think about where I would be if not for that moment why would I not why would I not find joy in the mission I feel deeply grateful and that is my motivation the gospel that saved me the gospel that found me and that there was a person that was willing to be on that mission and share the gospel with me. That makes me willing to do anything and everything to see one less girl be where I was and know the loving, the loving saving grace of a heavenly father. Preaching the gospel to ourselves, remembering the cost, the price that Jesus paid on that cross, restores the joy and the purpose In the mission there is a ripple effect to the gospel in our lives there's a ripple effect to experiencing true grace and mercy it doesn't just lead us to just sit and contemplate what happened to us it stirs us it causes us to go out to proclaim it to anyone who will listen because it literally changed our whole lives remembering the joy of our salvation restores the joy in the mission and then secondly valuing the eternal significance of this mission that we get to be on. Again, going back to the scripture, in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, it goes on to say, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Ambassadors for Christ. It is an honor to be an ambassador for your country. But we get an extra honor in that we are not only ambassadors for a country on earth. We are ambassadors for an eternal kingdom. God making his appeal through us. Man, what an eternal mission that we get to be a part of. And we need to hold on to that. We need to understand the eternal significance of our mission. Because is there any greater purpose we can give our lives to? than seeing the nation, seeing the lost restored to Jesus. Is there anything greater? Is there anything that will echo louder, any of our human pursuits, than this one in the halls of heaven? This eternal mission that we get to be called of, And it's important for us to remember the eternal value because otherwise it's so easy for us to get stuck in the process. In the process of being in the mud with people as we disciple them, the challenges, the rejection, And as we get stuck in that, we lose the joy in the mission. I heard this story, I was trying to remember where, that just explained this concept of us losing focus on the eternal mission and getting stuck in the process, but I couldn't remember. But maybe you've also heard it. But the story goes, there was a man who walked past a construction site, and he was curious about what what they're building here. It seemed like a big project. And so he sees a few workers and he goes to the first one and he asks, what are you busy with? What are you doing? And the worker barely looks up and he just says, I'm chiseling stone. And he looks down and he carries on. And still curious, he goes to a second worker and he asks him, what are, you, what are you busy with? What are you doing? And this worker, again, also is just busy and just answers shortly, I'm earning a living, and walks away and carries on. And the guy tries a third, just one more time, and he asks, one more worker, what are you busy with? And this time, the worker actually looks up, looks at this guy, and with a smile on his face says, I'm building a great cathedral. All three of these workers were doing the same kind of work, but only one understood his role in the bigger picture of what they were doing. Which one of them do you think experienced joy? The one who saw the bigger picture we get to be part of eternal mission that is so significant. And do you see that vision? Do you see the vision of eternity that we are building? This vision is captured so well in Revelation 7 verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, all languages, standing before the throne, before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb sure what a vision that is the vision of heaven one day and i remember the first time that i truly understood this vision it was in 2015 it was before I ever had the opportunity to attend one of our Every Nation Go! conferences, but I was in Israel um, over the Feast of Tabernacles, and there was this Thanksgiving worship prayer moment in the desert, and I remember standing, so I remember this picture so clearly, standing at the back with a crowd in front, with a stage in front, and looking out, and I saw flags and people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And I remember thinking this is a beautiful picture, but then feeling this small whisper across my heart saying, this is what I'm building, this is what I wanna see, and this is what I'm inviting you to build. And I remember crying in that moment over the beauty of it, but more just over understanding this mission, this eternal mission that, wow, I get to be a part of. And when we understand that, when we see that in light of eternity, what we get to be a part of, we will respond with a yes every time. And so understanding the eternal significance of the mission we have restores the joy, restores the joy in the mission. Because the mission is a joy. The mission is a joy and we get to be on it. And the mission is a joy because it's simply our response to what Jesus did in our lives. And in that he calls us to be part of an eternal mission, an eternal thing that he is doing. And when the joy is restored in the mission, the result, the result of that will be people encountering Jesus. Lives change. The result of the joy in the mission in our lives will mean we will see our communities change, the places that we work our city, our governments, and ultimately the nations beyond, when the joy of the mission is restored, that is what we will see. And so may we restore the joy of the mission in our hearts and remember that we are saved by the mission for the mission. And so as we close this morning, I want us to respond to that. I want us just to take a moment to examine our own hearts. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never thought of yourself as part of God's mission. You have never seen that you have a role and it's felt heavy and a burden. I want you to take some time and just allow the word, allow God to speak to you now about his mission. Ask him what is your place in this mission and respond to that. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've been part of God's mission but you've lost the joy. You've lost the joy in the mission. Would you just take some time and just lay whatever has made the mission a burden before the Lord and just allow him to return to you the joy of your salvation, the joy of being part of this eternal mission of God. So you can take some time just to do that right now, just speak to the Lord by yourself and then I will just end off in prayer for us.
1: if you want to respond this morning uh, to the word that Anna shared with us if you feel God is restoring something in your soul maybe for so long you believed God cannot use you so many excuses but just this morning there's this urgency and the hunger in your heart to see the joy of salvation restored in your heart I want to create an opportunity for you to respond don't know what God has in store for you don't know what God is calling you to but this is a moment to say God I want to stand in faith and I want to ask we can keep our eyes closed but if you know God is calling you this morning to restore something in your life would you stand in this moment just as an act of faith say God I'm standing I'm responding to that what you're doing in my life Father, as people are standing in this moment, I pray that you would come by your Spirit. You minister to them. You restore to them that what you've placed on their lives. Restore the joy of your salvation, Lord. I pray now that as they're standing, Lord, that you would strengthen their soul, that you would lift up their eyes to see what you say over their lives. May they experience something of your joy in this moment. Lord, we just pray now against any form of condemnation, anything that the enemy wants to come and steal, any lie that's been spoken over their lives, Lord. Now, Lord, we come and break the power of that lie in your name and the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we speak your truth over their lives, that they are called, that they are saved, and that they've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, may you restore the joy of their salvation. In a sense, to speak into, some of you have lost your way. You feel like you've just, that. what you feel God has called you. You're just going through life. You're going through the motions and you've just lost your way. Lord, I pray that you would come and direct their steps. Lead them into your way. Lord, and even if they're feeling, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what needs to happen. Lord, you are sovereign and powerful and nothing is impossible for you i pray now lord would you just come and direct their steps lead them back to that what you've called them to and lord as they respond in faith i pray for opportunities to be part of your mission opportunities to share your gospel i pray for fruit over their lives fruit that will have value in eternity we thank you lord for what you're doing in this moment we speak your blessing your grace and your peace over their lives. In Jesus' name we say, amen.